Hello and welcome to What Is It About the Weather? I want to thank you for joining me on episode two of the audio podcast series. Um, quite frankly, I'm amazed we made it past episode one, but uh, actually we've, we've reached three continents already, which has even been a bit more amazing to me um, as I've been able to uh, track some of the statistics related to the program and seen that we've, we've made it from North America to Europe, uh, all the way out to Far East Asia, and who knows, maybe um, we can start moving south of the equator soon and hit some of my old stomping grounds in South America and get get on to Africa and down under and maybe even out to Antarctica. I don't know, it might be tough to get in this season, but uh, maybe after winter clears this coming year. Um, again, thank you for sticking with me as uh, I continue to work on this podcast, and I hope you're enjoying what you're hearing so far. And for those of you who were able to check out the vidcast that I created last week, um, again, the, the goal is to do an audio and video kind of switch back and forth as each type of episode requires a, a different sort of research and um, background to get ready for. And it's a, it's a nice switch up for me at this stage. So for now, both of those series will remain kind of in one feed. Uh, so if you have subscribed to the podcast, uh, you should have also received the vidcast. Of course, you can get all this information at the website at www.whatisitabouttheweather.com. Um, again, the individual episodes will be listed there along you know, with some additional information. Or there's also information there about subscribing, and we'll touch that a little later. So today we're going to delve into the topic of psychology of weather. Now reason we're going to do this is I've always had this long-standing premise. Well, I shouldn't say it's long-standing, but for those who don't know me, um, I've spent most of the past decade living in South America uh, in the Santiago, Chile area. But I also grew up in the Southeast U.S., as you learned from episode one, for those of who have listened. Um, and both of these locations sit at about the same latitude north or south of the equator, yet they have very strikingly different weather patterns. Uh, the southeast U.S., you know, covered by summers with hot, muggy weather and, you know, mild but occasionally cold winter with some um, all-too-infrequent uh, snow events or ice events for, for my liking, but uh, for those that live there might prefer it that way, of course. In Santiago very long, uh, dry season, hot summer, uh, a lot like western, um, the western U.S. or parts of California. So only a couple of months out of the year where you get rain. And for someone who grew up in the south and who would experience what I would say is active weather on a regular basis, I found living in Santiago odd. And, you know, part of it, it, it's an extreme case because here you would be at Christmas time and it might be 95 degrees Fahrenheit or even approaching 40 Celsius outside. And that just didn't seem natural. Um, so why would the advertisements have polar bears and snowflakes? But they did, oddly enough. Um, they did do a lot of the North American advertising down there, so it, it was even an otter fit that uh, the only way you got that cold was hoping to find a place with air conditioning to cool off. So while I enjoyed living in Santiago, the weather was always one of those things that confounded me a little bit. I just never really enjoyed uh, 
constantly it just being sunny, it almost seemed a bit odd to me and, and felt uncomfortable. You know, I like where rain and snow and winds and all these things would uh, come from week to week and maybe kind of interrupt the status quo. So my premise or my theory as we delve into psychology this week um, was that people prefer the climate that they grew up with or, or something clicks to them at, at some age maybe um, that what is normal now I will say that uh, you know in my case it, it's an extreme as I mentioned that not only did I switch locations but I switched hemispheres so that kind of throws everything around and it may have been part of what triggered me but that that was kind of my starting place so to investigate this um, you know I I incorporated one of the first rules of the internet which is any poll that you put on Facebook is highly scientific so know that um, of course my results um, are statistically significant as we would say in the research field um, and of course I'm just kidding but uh, I thought it was a good place to start so I reached out to two different groups um, just my friends on Facebook uh, as well as a local uh, kind of community, weather community that I'm involved with, with a local television station, and polled those groups, um, first kind of asking them, you know, do, do you prefer or associate the weather that you grew up with or somewhere else? You know, it didn't have to be the current place they live, but, but somewhere that they've moved on to. And what I didn't expect, uh, because I was expecting to hear, oh, my youth, or that that was my premise, of course, uh, but the results came back actually kind of mixed, um, and again, they, they would not be considered statistically significant, because they were roughly even. Um, each poll uh, came out about 50-50, it wasn't exactly that, but, uh, you know, reasonably close to that. So I performed a follow-on question, which had to do with, do you prefer weather that has seasons, or do you prefer weather that is constant? Now, what I didn't put in there was any more details about, you know, was I talking it never rains? You know, for instance, in Santiago, Chile, you have what I would call a two-season setup. It's not exactly that, but I call it eight months of summer and then four months of occasionally getting some rain and, and colder temperatures. So the feedback I got on that, however, was also a bit mixed. However, I would say that more people preferred to have the four seasons. Now, they may not prefer it exactly in the format that they grew up in, um, but they do like the change overall. But that wasn't constant with all people. There, there were certainly people that had a preference for it being the same, and I was actually surprised in the uh, group, the local group involved um, with Atlanta, Georgia weather, I was surprised at, at first the poll was about tied and then it pulled away for four seasons that so many people would be living in Atlanta that actually preferred the climate to be constant and the same. Now, when I qualified or followed up to comments on that, some people kind of assumed that it was never cold, uh, but that didn't necessarily translate into no rain. So again, not not overly scientific, but, but gave a sense that people more than likely probably prefer to have seasons um, versus having a climate that's the same all the time 
but again, um, it was probably one-third the same, two-third changing. Although, if you went to Santiago, Chile, and you interviewed people, they'd probably say, hey, I, I like it this way, but they may never have experienced something different. And that, again, was kind of my premise is if you've not gone somewhere else, you kind of like you know what you grew up with. So with those results in hand and not giving me any more support of, of my theory of being tied to uh, the climate or the weather of your youth, I went to the scientific community and looked into some research. And, you know, there weren't any exact findings. It it was interesting, and, and we'll cover some of the findings I did have. But what I didn't find was anybody that specifically researched uh, the topic of is there a connection between personality somehow um, and whether that you had, you know, maybe up to a certain age. Now, it's possible the research is out there and I didn't find it. So if anybody knows of such a paper or such research that's been done, certainly let me know. But uh, my results, you know, did find some other interesting things. So we're going to cover that today. Now, this is a topic we'll get back to again and again, because the more you dig into personalities and moods and how you feel, uh, the more interesting some of the results are. So let's touch on a few of those now. So not surprisingly, this is a topic that's been uh, researched for a long time, as people, I think, have always wanted to understand the connection between weather and how they feel or weather and how people behave. And uh, as with any kind of research area, there tends to be a few papers that are referenced or cited again and again. And one of those is one entitled a multidimensional approach to the relationship between mood and weather. Yeah, you'll find that uh, most scientific papers don't have the most exciting titles, but uh, as an author who tried to um, do that a couple of times with my thesis and other work, uh, I was constantly reminded that um, that's really not the goal. So um, not like something you're going to see in the uh, Google News area. But in any case, this paper... um, by Haworth et al. Uh, was done out of the uh, University of Alberta in Canada and published in the British Journal of Psychology in 1984, so again around a long time. And it examined um, a variety of of weather variables and a variety of behaviors. And, you know, the the behaviors were anything from concentration to depression to uh, anxiety, etc., and the weather variables uh, ranged uh, quite a few as well that included things like atmospheric pressure, wind speed, humidity, temperature, precipitation, and level of sunshine. Now, of course, this study being done in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada might also have some implications here. It wasn't a particularly long study, but what they did find was the three top variables were humidity, temperature, and level of sunshine. And in that order, interestingly enough, humidity was the top variable. Now, as a meteorologist, I can think of some reasons that that might be the case uh, in a place like the University of Alberta, given where Edmonton is uh, sited and, you know, the types of weather they experience throughout the year. But, in it, you know, it has served still with the amount of, of investigation that they did um, as, as kind of one of those core papers people come back to and try to point to replicating or 
finding the same things that these individuals found. So this provides us some basis of understanding at least the um, fundamental connections and some of the things that are seen. But interestingly, a, a lot of the research since that time and even around that time is inconclusive. Again and again, it couldn't find the types of connections they're looking for. And even as recent as uh, a paper that I found from just a couple of years ago, uh, done, again, oddly enough, by a professor in Canada, um, a, a Professor Marie Connolly uh, at the University of Quebec, published a paper in the Journal of Happiness Studies called Some Like It Mild and Not Too Wet, The Influence of Weather on Subjective Well-Being. And even in her analysis, I would say that there is uh, indications of, you know, how inconclusive a lot of the research has been done over time. Now, in the case of, of her research, she found that temperature was actually the biggest influence and that women were much more likely than men to be influenced by uh, weather events and uh, the potential implications of that. Now, she used a slightly different technique. She used data that was only gathered in one season. And, and, and I think this is one of the other challenges is um, the situations may not be expansive enough, or maybe the, at times they're too expansive. Maybe it's, it's hard to quantify and suggest that people in one location are going to behave the same as another. And, and that can be a very difficult piece of the equation. Um, but, you know, if, if she was looking at a season um, and found that cool temperatures um, were increasing happiness, well, that may not hold if it's, uh, you know, Nome, Alaska or in the middle of Siberia in, in wintertime where warm temperatures um, might be more relevant. So these findings, again, haven't pointed to any particular connection that you could say is widespread or that you could say is is definitive in pointing to the kind of the aha moment uh, in, in the studies to this point. Now, a recent paper uh, put together by a group primarily out of the Netherlands uh, led, or at least the paper was led by Theo Kleemstra at Utrecht University and again, most of the other authors were at Utrecht, although there was a second Netherlands University and a German one referenced in the publication as well. Um, and this was published in a journal called Emotion, oddly enough, and entitled Come Rain or Come Shine, Individual Differences in How Weather Affects Mood. And they took a different approach in how they were looking at things instead of trying to say um, specifically temperature or specifically humidity. Um, they tried to group uh, people into kind of a type, and they came up with different things. Now, they did find, um, interestingly enough, that there's still about 50% of the people that, generally speaking, don't seem to have a large influence due to weather. And actually, in some of the other papers I, I referenced and looked at, um, it's found, again, that this tends to be more often with males, and it has something to do with just... Um, kind of the oh whatever state um, that I guess is often attributed to the male population and just moving on and doing something else like if it rains I'll go see a movie and you know not not get hung up on it um, but 
again, um, that was about just short of half the people. And then they had three other groups. Now, the groups were um, summer lovers, which were attributed with people that had a better mood when it was warmer and sunnier. Um, They had summer haters that had a worse mood with warmer weather and sunnier weather. And actually, I guess I would, I would be in that category. And then they had rain haters and this specifically focused in on the precipitation piece that were particularly bad moods on rainy days. People that I guess feel that, um, their life is interrupted too much on, on rainy days, but their investigation, um, again, was interesting. Um, and it, and explored how these behaviors, uh, you know, what percentages of people fell into these classifications. And again, instead of looking at uh, an individual weather attribution and trying to attribute it to an individual mood linkage, uh, they were looking at it at a, a broader, what they called a typology of effective weather reaction versus um, the individual components. And I think one thing that uh, I found particularly interesting in their research was that you will find that uh, more often than not, whatever your mother was like is what you'll be like. So if you don't like the fact of how you feel about the weather, blame it on your mom. Isn't that really nice of them to put that out there and put that kind of burden on, on mothers? But, you know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe it is more genetically inclined. And, it, you know, I can speak from... Uh, my love from the weather, and I know other people that are that are in the weather enterprise in various places quite often have had a trigger event, and, and maybe that's what I need to revise my premise to, which is, um, you know, it, it's something about uh, people who are interested in weather that have a, a, a trigger event, or again, maybe that's the climate you like. Maybe there's a trigger event, you know, if it rained on your wedding day or if it was perfect weather on your wedding day or when you got the the perfect job for your life um, you know maybe maybe that's more likely uh, attributable to a specific event or a specific time when that happens and again I, th- I tend to think of these things happening when we're younger and we're being refined but you know maybe you had a, a horrible weather event and that made you uh, tend to like boring weather who knows so that'll be my next thing when I go after a PhD in psychology any case um, I will put some information about these three papers again in the show notes so you'll be able to find them there and of course if they're not available in your podcast uh, program they will be on the website in the show notes as well so don't hesitate to look there now clearly my premise is wrong but you know, it was interesting to look at in a very, uh, what we would call a a literature review search to see if anybody else had investigated it yet. And since not, I I always have a future. If I need to go into psychology, I've got a place to start. Now, as I mentioned, psychology of the weather is not going to be something we uh, touch on just this one time. There was some other interesting papers like how productivity actually increases on rainy days and these are types of topics that I think will be fun to explore and we'll take a look at in in a future episode. Now on a serious note I do want to bring out that it is kind of well known that there is a disorder out there uh, that's typically associated with winter time 
uh, called Seasonal Affective Disorder. And I will, again, put a website link of, of a few places you can go to to investigate that. This is a very real thing, and it tends to impact people in the wintertime, uh, most often associated with not enough sunlight, which is attributed not just to mood, but a lot of other uh, modern-day diseases we're finding have a sunlight or lack of sunlight connection. And this is certainly impacting more people as we sit in front of computers all day and don't get outside as much in our general interactions. So there's believed to be, a, you know, things from a serotonin generation level to just simple um, uh, depressive behavior level or, or not getting the, the right amount of sleep in our sleep cycle. There's a variety of believed causes, but in any case, um, it's a very real disorder and, you know, be cognizant of people around you and don't hesitate that if you know someone to suggest that they might want to be tested for such a thing. Um, and also be aware that, interestingly enough, as we enter springtime here in the northern hemisphere, that late spring and going into summer is actually the number one time um, of the year that, that people are more prone to committing suicide. So, you know, I just bring up these topics to remind you that while I enjoy talking about the weather and I enjoy the pleasant parts of it, um, I'm, I'm also very well aware that it's not always uh, flowers and fun for everybody. So be aware of those around you and make sure that they get help uh, if there's anything that weather is impacting someone in a bad way. So that's it for this week on our topic of psychology and weather. Now, let's talk a little bit about the future. Um, in the next topic, we're going to jump out to Hollywood, and we're going to talk about uh, weather and the movies and uh, get, dig into it a little bit. I'll probably do some more very scientific polls on Facebook if you're interested in participating, uh, maybe on Twitter as well. I'm trying to get my Facebook feed set up now so that you can follow me without necessarily being a friend because uh, I do want to have people have a chance to be in polls and those sort of things that, that want to participate. And uh, along those lines, as I've mentioned before, please don't hesitate if you have a topic. Again, I'm looking at my little whiteboard here, even as I record this, and I've got some uh, topics to keep us going for a while. But uh, I would also much prefer to hear what you're interested in hearing from me. Uh, I don't want to just ramble on about things I like. That may not get us anywhere but into a, a deep rabbit hole. Um, so... Please send your uh, request for topics to whatisitabouttheweather at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully, you know, and if you're interested, I mean, I'd be glad to uh, interview you. And hopefully as the podcast grows some more, we'll be able to do some more interviews because I think that'll be more interesting for the audience as well. So let's wrap things up here as we call it another week of What Is It About the Weather? And let me mention a few things. And first of all, how to get hold of us. I mentioned the website, but just again, it's what is it about the weather? All strung out there is one long word, dot com. You can find us there and catch the episodes, but you can also subscribe there. And there's even now a menu option to subscribe that very quickly hits you with how to uh, get the podcast coming to your Apple devices, typically through iTunes, of course. Google is launching a Google Play um, podcast stream, but it's not quite available yet, although the link is ready for when they do go live. And for those that use third-party apps, whether it's on Android or 
on your computer like Pocket Cast. There's a basic RRS feed there as well. Now, you can also find us directly in iTunes, and if you go into iTunes and search weather, we don't show up on the top of the list. That's something that we'll have a goal, but if you type in what is it about the weather, it'll be there, or if you hit weather and see all, eventually we'll show up. Now, you can also follow me on Twitter. It's Mark underscore Jelinek. That's J-E-L-I-N-E-K. And I don't know if the capital letters make a difference, but it's capital M and capital J, and it is Mark with a K. And you can also find me at Instagram with the same name, Mark underscore Jelinek, but the M and the J are lowercase in in that way, and it makes it a little easier for me to track and keep uh, on top of where people come from in terms of following me. You can also search Mark Jelinek and find me in LinkedIn if you're interested in following me professionally. Um, So that option is available to you as well. Now, lastly, I'm going to get into how to support us. And as I mentioned previously, right now, the biggest way you can do is let us know things you'd like to hear about. Of course, pushing this podcast to other people or telling other people about it. I know it's kind of crazy, but you know, If you're talking weather with somebody, you can say, hey, you know, I've got this buddy who does an interesting new podcast, or I've heard this interesting new podcast, so please do it that way. And then going into iTunes or other things and giving us a five-star rating from what I've heard from other podcasters, whatever you write in the review doesn't really matter. You can write nonsense, but the five stars will bump me up uh, into a higher rating situation and make it easier for somebody who does search just weather to find the podcast. And lastly, as you know, my goal is to keep this podcast going and hopefully even, for instance, the audio quality is better this week as I've started investing in the equipment and things necessary to do this. Uh, Whether it's the new equipment or hosting the website, this stuff is not free. And while I'm going to pay for this stuff out of my pocket for a while, I'm hoping at some point that I'll be able to do this on a regular schedule uh, and commit the resources to making that happen. And if you're interested in supporting uh, the podcast because you find value in the podcast, I have no interest in you supporting the podcast if you don't. Um, Well, I shouldn't say that. If you want to throw money at the podcast, you can always do that. But for those of you who are interested in giving some value back because you're getting value out of the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash weather. And you can learn there more about how to support the podcast. And again, I want to thank everybody. And as always, go out there and have good and interesting weather. Until next time, this is Mark Jelani. This is a Two Red Sofas production.